Duke with Dr. Jen Welter. I am Mitch Milani. Of course, that is the one and only Dr. Jen Welter. We are back live on Twitch here to talk some football. We have some big news coming out of the NFL when it comes to impacting the people within the NFL. And I would say, who can be included in the NFL circles? So, Jen, I know you have a guest. <laughs> so I guess we should address that first. You know, I mean, Tyson was just trying to trying to say hello to you, Mitch. Like, What's he up, was Tyson? over here. He was over here just saying, hello, Twitch folks. I am talk dog when it comes to NFL. So let me just make my presence known right up at the top of the show. It is no secret that I always say he makes me better and definitely makes me cuter. So... Everybody, this is my shameless plug to be super adorable with the juke today. How about that? All right. Thank you, Tyson, for gracing us with your presence. Carl Nassib is the man I'm referring to when it comes to being included in the NFL circles now. So Carl Nassib has come out as gay publicly, which is something that's different for the NFL. I know that we had Michael Sam a couple years ago who came out as gay, but that was, you know, he didn't actually make the NFL. So a lot of people are kind of confused by that. So Carl Nassib has been a player within the NFL for quite a few seasons. He played for the Cleveland Browns where he was kind of famously on hard knocks and he did the whole breakdown of the contracts and stuff like that, which I thought was a pretty funny skit within that show. And he was on, I believe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and now the Raiders. So Carl Nassib has come out as gay and there was a lot of support on Twitter, Instagram, social media from a lot of different players and coaches and players around the NFL. Jen, what are your thoughts on just this? And, and when you saw it, what was your immediate thought and reaction to it? You know, I, I think it's long overdue. And, and I think anybody who's around professional sports knows that our locker rooms are, are pretty diverse and, and that's part of what makes them special. We all remember right. Michael Sam years ago. And I think what was hard about that is in training camp, you know, and in preseason, those things, it's really about like minimizing distractions. And I think whether or not it was fair that that narrative prior to him making a roster didn't help him. And, and right. whether or not he would have otherwise, you know, you have people who say he would have, you have people who say he wouldn't have, but the truth is there's such a fine line between making and not making that if it dissuaded anyone, then it's a problem, right? And, and it's a problem on a societal level because it's, this is who this person is. So now you have someone who is deeper into having played in the league. And I think it's great that you've seen the public response of support. And I believe he is now the number one Jersey, according to Fanatics sales after his announcement. And isn't it interesting that the number ones have been him and right before that, your guy, Tim Tebow. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you call him my guy. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> but... <laughs> uh, they're they're kind of totally different situations. I mean, Tim Tebow is sort of like a, a football football legend. Every everybody loves him, and at least everybody except for Jen. 
And it feels like he's just a personality that people gravitate towards. You know, this is kind of a little bit different. I'm not sure what was the case with Sam at the time. I don't know if there was similar buzz there because, and, and this is where I think it's, it's a lot different. So Nassib is comfortably an NFL player. This is not a question of, is he going to make an NFL roster? He's been on an NFL roster for I, something around five seasons. So he's, he's an NFL player. Michael Sam, the whole question, I believe he was a seventh round pick or something of that nature. So it was already a question of whether he was actually going to make the team. And then that that kind of, I, I don't want to call it a circus, but that's kind of what it was, right? It kind of was a circus just because of it was new to the NFL. And this is something I think it's a lot different because it, this is a, a player that players already know. They're, you know, it's it's sort of, now accepted and I feel like we've made some strides in that regard I'm I'm sure there's plenty of players within the NFL still that are gay and have not come out yet I'm I'm almost positive that there probably are so I'm and I'm really interested to see what that next step is after Carl Nassib to see these other men around the league and whether they're ready to come out as well yeah. And I, you know, I think one of the things that we see is that, and why I brought up even Tim Tebow in this context is people are starving for change. They want things to believe in. They want things to show that something different is possible, right? If Tim Tebow makes a comeback into football after yeah. leaving for baseball and doing all this, that will give a certain segment of the population something to believe into somebody that they will be excited for something that encourages, you know, people who are like him. And that is the same here with NASA, right? Representation is so mm -hmm. important across the board. It gives permission to accept yourself. It gives power to have different conversations. It gives a little kid who thought maybe he was different or she was different and didn't belong permission to say, you know what? He's like me. And those are the things that we really need. And I think coming out of this time where we didn't have that in terms of things were really just hard on so many levels. I think as a society, we are looking for those places and spaces where we can find hope, where we can celebrate, where we can see diversity and where we have marked occurrences that can, you know, demonstrate that culture is shifting in a positive way. And I think that that's what we're seeing in the response. And, you know, a lot of the times it's hard for fans because you feel disconnected. Well, you know, one way you can show support you can rock that jersey and, and you mm -hmm. can you can buy in and you can show support and dollars are almighty for a lot of things right whether you talk about your bill belichick dollar dollar bill in the off season or you talk about how jersey sales are converting now if it was a fear factor prior to his coming out that might have said oh it could cost us money for you know to have a player in this place um, in a space guess what the fans have spoken and that is not the case, right? It is not going to be a financial deterrent, at least at this point for people to say who they are. And I love the messages supporting bravery, which have come out from everybody from, you know, Warren Moon to recently our president, Joe Biden.
I'm a little surprised by the jersey sales. I am a little surprised. I wasn't so surprised with the Tebow thing just because like I've seen Tebow's effect on the NFL before and how much that was crazy in his popularity. But with the Carl Nassib thing, I'm going to be honest, I was surprised by it. When I saw that, I was like, oh, wow, that's, you know, that's pretty cool to see that. So you're unique to speak to this. So I want to let you speak to it because, you know, you were also, I'm not going to say Carl Nassib is the first, but, you know, you were a first and I'm sure he will have a similar impact in the way that you did on other people in that profession and the way that you guys, you know, interact. And I feel like this is just maybe give some advice to Carl Nassib. What would you say to him? Well, you know, thankfully he appears to have a good tribe of people. He also has a purpose in donating to the Trevor project and some of those. So my advice is really to continue to stay true to who you are and to realize that it is scary, right? It is scary being different. And yet it's also incredibly powerful. And on a day that you may not feel like you have the strength to, for example, answer one more question or read one more social media post or show up when you know it's going to be tough, realize that it's not just about you and your strength in showing up and representing every day is not only helping this generation, but it's helping to shift a culture and you will be strengthening and fortifying other people who have the same challenges, just maybe not the same platform. And every time you experiencing something that makes you feel like you are other, you are also doing it publicly so that it is less likely that someone else will feel like they are alone in this world or an outsider in this place and space. And then be proactive and positive about facilitating conversations. People are going to have questions. I knew that going in, right? I was different. So they have a lot of questions and you have the answers. So be proactive in providing them so that nobody feels like they just have to avoid you because they don't know how, what to say or how to act because it is different and they've never been in that situation. You can absolutely answer the questions before they were asked and give people permission to be invited in the conversation in a way where you can diffuse some of that through whether it's you know, humor even, right? Like when people have fears, like they may have read a stereotype or seen a movie and you don't know if it's true or not because you've not been in that culture. Don't take it personal. Take it as curiosity and someone being invested in the conversation and therefore being invested in you and invested in change. And the more that you can work through it and work it out and create bridges of understanding, the better you'll be not only in your personal situation, but in society as a whole. Uh, that's good advice. <laughs> Honestly, I think with you, Jen, as well, um, when it comes to that kind of comparison, I'm wondering, I've never asked you this, but how did your life sort of change? Because I'm sure Carl Nassib's going through this right now. Like when you were just yourself, right? And then you were, oh, all of a sudden I'm the first of this. 
And then all these people, you gain some sort of following. People are now messaging you on Twitter or Instagram or social media, whatever it may be. What was that experience like? And what do you think NASA's going through right now at this moment? Well, he just opened himself up to an entire community that didn't necessarily even know that he was a part of it, right? Mm -hmm. He probably certain people did, but other people may or may not have. And I guarantee you there, there's a whole group of people in the LGBTQ community that just found a hero that they didn't even know existed, that they had hoped would come along someday. And now that day became today, right? So in one of the, you know, arguably the most powerful sports franchise or sports business on the planet, you just saw progress for equality. And there are going to be people because of that, right, who now love you. Now, the challenge is that when you're a first, you are divisive in your existence. The fact that you exist will make some people love you mm -hmm. and others absolutely dislike you, fear you, resent you, whatever. And so what you have to do is realize where your purpose and power is in that. And it's in the people who you are there for, not the ones that are not there for you, right? That would have never liked to see that time because some people you really can't change them. And that's hard, right? Like I, I was always raised to think if you did things the right way, you did them well and you treated people well, people would be pretty open to you. And what I've found is you cannot win all of the battles with all of the people all of the time. And being a, an optimistic person, you always think that there's a place and a space, but you could spend a thousand hours trying to give, convince a very small amount of people that you belong, that you're still qualified, even though you know, you, your sexuality is different or even though your gender is different. And that's a tough 1,000 hours, right? Or you can infuse the bravery and the courage and the embracing being different in the people who needed you to come along, that they needed that hero. And your ROI on those people will be so much greater in terms of your passion to wake up every day, in terms of your commitment to excellence, in terms of your view of the world. So protect your inner self in that the time that you get to choose who you interact with, that you are elevating a community that needed a hero, right? And yep. that is what's under your control. Those people who never wanted to see you exist, they are not under your control. And they're actually also not your problem. So that is a really hard thing because everything that he has now done is public. And it means something to everyone who's been in that space. You are no longer neutral. So you will be loved and feared, revered and hated all in the span of one social media thread. So I always say, be great and don't read the comments because you don't want to, you don't want to get into the comments. That's where the trolls live. 
right? <laughs> and then, right, because they, they could say some crazy, crazy, awful things. Yeah. But yeah. then find the people who you can really infuse stuff into and do take the time to respond and interact when possible, right? Like I used to just start reposting cool stories that girls would send me that were playing football when they would say, I thought I was the only one or I thought I was wrong for loving football or all of these challenges. Like I never even knew that was impossible or possible. And what I found mm -hmm. is the more I posted and shared some of those stories or interacted, the more stories I found. And it was maybe a one here and a one there and a one there, but there was still strength in numbers. Those numbers had just not had the opportunity to connect with each other and to see how they really weren't alone in this world. So it's hard because at that point, when you, you are the first, you have split a cultural conversation through your existence and yet your path becomes really not your own because your strength can be found in the other people who are going through it and it will feel overwhelming. It will feel very bright in the spotlight and it will feel tough. But the advice is think about the one person's life that you changed with the strength to be different. Think about the impact that you have in those interactions and then multiply it by the who knows, hundreds, thousands, millions of people that you didn't get to meet personally but you personally had a huge impact on their, on their life because you were brave enough in a world that tends to celebrate sameness and mediocrity. You were brave enough to step up, be different and share your truth with the world so that you could live and behave authentically on a day-to-day -day basis. I really like what he said in the video. He seems like somebody that was actually thinking about this for a long time obviously but it feels like he wisely kind of almost in a way produced himself to give a speech in this manner so the way some of the things that stood out to me is he says i just think that representation and visibility are so important in this he also says i'm not doing this for attention which i think is a lot of the time something that the haters are going to yeah. say so I like that he brought that up. He also says, I actually hope that like one, one day these videos like this and the whole coming out process are just not necessary. And we understand that they are necessary right now, but I agree with him. Hopefully they're not necessary soon. He also thought about it by obviously donating $100,000 to the Trevor Project. So that's pretty cool. So he feels like somebody that not just is willing to come out and then accept the, I guess, gratification of it, but he's also willing to take the pressure of it, which I think is oh. also very respectable. It is. And it's so important to realize that because a lot of the times people say, oh, wow, you know, the first and, and, um, you know, we're so excited for you, but it is pressure for the rest of your life because that is a part of every conversation that is had around the subject, your name is brought up. 
it becomes a part of every single article that now comes up with any player and being gay in the NFL, he will be named as a part of that for ever. And so there become no secrets right at that. And it doesn't become a day where you can show up and be that person or be someone else. It's, it's now a part of your existence and it's a part of all of the decisions that you make, whether you realize that or not, you know, we've talked about this sometimes. I'm like, I never realized how truly similar those titles then become with the conversation around your name, mm -hmm. right? Because it's, she's this, right? And that becomes synonymous with your name. And that is something that is going to be the case for the rest of his life. It's not a day. It's not one person. It is globally. And so I am proud that he had that forethought to realize it, right? And that he had the strength to do it. And what I would say is he is fortifying so many people who doubted whether or not they could, whether it's play football, whether it's be a real man, whether it was be a professional athlete, whether it was any of those things. And we could go on and on. He just gave them permission to say, you know what? He did it. I can do it too. And not only that, but defensive end too. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the manliest of manliest positions there is. So that's pretty cool. I would say that nobody should probably smack talk him around this because it might end badly for them. Yeah, he's going to smack your quarterback. That's what's going to happen. So That's as right. coach John Gruden said, I learned a long time ago, what makes a man different is what makes him great. So that's a pretty cool quote there. And of course, we brought up all the players, Warren Moon, JJ Watt. I saw Saquon Barkley, Julian Edelman. I mean, a lot of them. So that was pretty cool to support not only the message, but also the support that we saw from Carl Nassib. Do you have anything else to say? Before um, I think it's, it's great to see the support. I, I like that the that people have been proactive in answering the questions as to how he would be received. And I would also say that I'm sure he had one-on-one -on -one conversations with some of these people prior to the situation and that it was their, you know, strength and fortification that helped mm. him have the courage to take this step forward because, you know, he had people who said, you know, love is love. And, we already love you. We already respect you. We know what you can do on the football field. I certainly don't want you in my bedroom and I, you know, and I'm not going to be in yours, right? Like it, you know, for most players, it, it would not even be a question. And so yeah. giving that mutual respect of just, Hey, you know, be good, be in a good relationship, take care of each other. And, and I hope that, you know, your significant other is, is a cool person too. Um, and I think that that's just really special and good on John Gruden for, um, you know, for saying that and obviously being a leader in not only his team, but across the league and how he handles it. Because again, it's not going to be easy for him either because there will be situations, right? Whether it's another, uh, a player on another team or someone on the locker room or questions from other people that you know, he's not supposed to know about or whatever, you know, it's not going to be easy. And yet it doesn't have to be easy to be the right thing. And I think people get those confused 
quite a lot. And just, I'm thinking as a football fan as well, I think just you have to think about the mental aspect of what these seasons in the NFL, having that secret, Yep. how it's taken kind of, you know, a, a lot on him. It's been pressure in its own right. Now that he is, let's say, allowed to be himself fully, 100%, and he's accepted it, I think that could almost help him as a player because now he's he's more focused on football itself than everything else. Yeah, it will be. I mean, I think that there will be um, a period that it, there is distraction, right? Yeah. Just in terms of the attention, maybe not not being used to it. I mean, he's already totally. been an NFL player, but there will be a, le- a new level of scrutiny, of conversation, people, you know, People are going to start digging into his background. He's now a TMZ conversation, you know, like all of those things will happen and don't discount how tough some people will be about it. You know, like, yeah, for sure. I, I think like uh, just something that while you're saying this, it kind of comes to mind is the top selling Jersey thing. Like, you know, there's probably players out there saying I'm way better than this guy. You know, I, right. I play the same position. I had 14 sacks last year. Why am right. I not selling all these jerseys, you know? Well, I think the bravery will, will get them through that. But what I would say is that as much as he's being championed by a lot of people, realize that there are going to be those who are mm-hmm. not happy about it. And and that's that's the tough part. And that's the part I've been through. Like, you know, yes, I had... I mean, I've seen license plates with my last name on it and, you know, signs <laughs> and, you know, all of those things where I was a hero. And I've also been in the position where, you know, I got some of the nastiest, you know, messages and things like this, the destruction of the sport. And, you know, I'm tuning out of football because now it's gone soft because it's a woman. And, you know, I mean, I had death threats for a while, too. And that doesn't mean it's the majority of people. And that doesn't mean that they're right. But the spotlight is a tough place, right? It magnifies everything, the good and the bad. And and you don't get to just choose which days you do that, right? Now you you are that person and on one of the biggest platforms in sports. So it will be the source of many of his great moments and probably some frightening ones as well. And, and definitely some disappointing ones from places and spaces he didn't expect. All right. Here to report on some news here to talk about some news and break it down. We have a lot of different things coming out from some of Jen's friends, getting some movie roles as well as some potential NFL players making the jump into the media. So let's start off with that. And there is a report and there's been a report. I mean, this is like every year around this time we get a, somebody wants to hire Peyton Manning to do this. Uh, Of course. I mean, we know Peyton Manning is a great character and he's had, I mean, some of the greatest Saturday night live skits, Jen, I don't know if you've seen them all, but my favorite one has to be the one where he just throws the ball at the back of like kids' heads. I mean, that's amazing. But yeah, Peyton Manning has always been funny and obviously a great mind for the game. So he would make a great analyst, I think. I think the expectations would be really high for him because people have wanted him to do it for a long time. But I'm sure he would bring, you know, a pull to Amazon a little bit if they're really ready to make that play in the NFL. So let's start with that conversation, Jen. 
What do you think of Peyton Manning potentially in the booth? Do you think he would be great? Do you think he would be underwhelming? Um, you know, I hope he would be great as long as he allows that humor to come through. I think people yeah. are a little sick and tired of the same old like conversation surrounding football. Peyton is brilliant. So allow that brilliance to bring people in the game, but then also have some fun with it, right? Like we're seeing alternative streams. We're seeing alternative broadcast voices. He's not going to be somebody who's going to bring in the younger demographic, which they keep saying they're after. He's not going to be somebody who necessarily increases international audiences and maybe or may not women audiences. I mean, so these buckets that you've said that you're really looking to increase that um, are the growth areas in football. Do I think he necessarily really hits one of those home? Maybe yes, maybe no. But if he actually allows Peyton to be Peyton and doesn't just kind of be like, okay, now I'm going to do it the way it's always been done. I think it could be unique and special. I would just like them to use it in a special way that it doesn't feel like this could be any guy on any day, right? Um, allow the personality right. to shine through. It's interesting. The last person that I had heard, well, there's two other ones. You've obviously, we've heard the Drew Brees, right? That he was supposed to be going right to the he broadcast. Is in NBC, but I don't know if he's going to be like, in the broadcast booth, I kind of feel like he's going to be on the pregame show with like Rodney Harrison and, and those guys and Tony Dungy. That's kind of yep. where I think he fits in. Yep. And that makes sense, right? So you got him. But the other one that I heard who knocked it out of the park in terms of doing some auditions was RG3. Now, mm. Does that bring a different conversation? Now, again, I don't know if he's in the booth or if he's doing pregame shows, but where are we bringing alternative conversations? And I mean, I heard it was a bidding war for RG3 because he was so good in the interview format. So I think that is a different conversation to me. It's not taking anything away from Peyton because to me, Peyton could easily be compared to Tony Romo. And is it a different voice? No. Is it Troy Aikman? Are we just recycling the same quarterbacks to have them have different conversations? Or are we going to actually open up, you know, some of the conversations to different voices? See, as we said, I, I understand R your point. RG3 I understand it. your point with the, the RG3 thing and, you know, the, the different voices thing. I get that. Peyton Manning is one of the most popular football players of all time. So I'm sure that people are going to gravitate towards whatever broadcast he's on, regardless of, you know, race, gender, whatever it is. Like, I get that. And if RG3 is great, like, honestly, I would love to see RG3 in college football. Personally, I think he would be great for college football because he is kind of younger. And I think that vibe, it, it just suits him personally. In my opinion, he's also known probably a little bit better for just college in general. So I would like to see him there, but you know, either way I saw him actually him. And I think it was a keep to leave on a, on a broadcast for a bleacher report during the NFL draft. I thought RG three was pretty good. He was covering the quarterbacks and things of that nature. And the only thing I'll say 
is just don't let him do Vikings games because he absolutely does not like Kirk Cousins whatsoever. And every single time he talks about Kirk Cousins, he rips him to shreds. So like, I would probably just avoid that unless you want that. I mean, if you want that, that's, that's on you, but you're spot on. (laughs) Personally, I would love Peyton Manning, Amazon, wherever they're going to, you know, if they offer him the job, I don't know if he's interested. I've always heard that Peyton was more interested in being a GM than anything else, which I also think he would be great at, but we'll see. Are there any names out there? I know you brought up RG3. I've, I think Greg Olson will also be in the booth this coming season because he was doing that before he came back to the sport last year to, to Seattle and he played a season with Seattle. Do you think there's anyone out there, whether it's an Aaron Rodgers or an Adrian Peterson or a JJ Watt, Tom Brady, do you think any of these guys would take that step and be good at the job? I think there are several who could really be good at the job. And again, Peyton could be great. I just mm-hmm. want him to be allowed to be Peyton. Don't make him a another version of the same show and this is how we do it. Allow Peyton to really express his personality and bring that into the conversation. I want that with every broadcaster though, right? Yeah. If this is what you do, if this is your special spot sauce, bring that identity to it so that we get to experience the game through you, not just the way we've always been presented the game. So just to clarify that, because of course Peyton would be great. Yeah, I I think the best of them have done that. Like John Madden stands out to me. He did, obviously he kind of revolutionized it in the role of the color commentator, but he clearly was John Madden. And even though some people will say like, oh, he didn't, he didn't go in depth and, and stuff like the, the true football nerds out there will say that sort of stuff is critique. It's not about that to me. When I'm watching a broadcast, I want to actually be entertained. Right. And, and that's why I like Tony Romo. And I like, I honestly like uh, Collinsworth as well. I think he's very yep. entertaining because they bring a personality to the broadcast yes. that I think is unique from just the regular no offense, but the the normal like Fox or CBS broadcast in the morning. Yeah. I mean, I I love the personality and that's what I want to see in anybody. And if it's not a personality I like, guess what? I may or may not tune in and that's okay. But what (laughs) I don't want is no personality, right? Like that is just not going to work. Cause even if I'm, you know, you look at like, uh, if you look at commentary, look at Stephen A. Smith or Joy Taylor. Those are strong personalities. Now, people will Mm -hmm. be all in on what they say or all out, but at least you really, you know, even if you don't like them, you respect their opinion. So give us some flavor with it. Don't just have it be like, oh, okay, right? Wait, you just said their names. They're this, like, like infuse the game with personality and additional information in your unique style. Obviously, if you talk about brilliant minds who could step in and do it, Larry Fitzgerald is way up there for me. He has a media background. That's what he studied in school. He's fascinated by communications. His dad is actually a reporter, so he's grown up around covering the game. And there aren't many more brilliant minds around it. I don't know if that's what direction he wants to go. Um, because he has a lot of interests, like he wants to travel all over the world and, you know, do a lot of those things. But Larry would be great. I'd also like to see some of the defensive personalities get in there because if you want to change up the conversation, we'll give us 
a change up in perspective so that, you know, maybe you have both an offensive guy and a defensive guy talking about these things. And, you know, you have Peyton Manning going against, I don't know, like Brian Erlacher, right? And Erlacher is like, oh yeah, you know what we were doing on this play, Peyton. And I saw you run out of here, you know, could we infuse it with some of that back and forth? Oh gosh, who would be good? Who would be fun right now? One that comes to my mind is George Kittle. Cause I just think he is yep. just so like, and the energy is like through the roof with him. Yep. He'd just be bouncing everywhere throughout the broadcast the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would be great. And so it really is about dedication. As you know, it's the preparation to do it. It's the commitment to the work and in knowing the game and then being comfortable, really having a conversation, right? Like, and yeah. conveying that information in a way that enhances the game, right? So that means you have to be good at the rhythm of the game. One that comes to mind to me, I've seen him on some PFF stuff already, is Richard Sherman. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. That's a great call. Richard Sherman would be brilliant. He is a brilliant mind. He, um, you know, he went to Stanford. I mean, the guy is absolutely <laughs> hands down brilliant. And yeah. he is opinionated. You know, he's mm -hmm. not somebody... I'd step a conversation or, you know, tell you the team with the most points is going to win the game. Like, come on, like he's going to bring you in the locker room. Some of these, what would we think about and would absolutely have the chops to push back from a defensive standpoint against some of the things that are going on, maybe on the offense and also provide insight. I think Richard Sherman's a great call. Good one, Mitch. All right, let's transition to a quarterback on the field and a coach who everybody, when he retires, I mean, he's going to get like a kajillion offers to be some sort of commentator. I mean, Sean McVay has already been getting offers and he's like 30 something right. and he still wants to coach. So Sean McVay has come out talking about Matthew Stafford, his new quarterback. There were rumors a couple of weeks ago or not rumors, I should say, but the media reading into what McVay was saying about Stafford in comparison to what he said about Jared Goff in the past. And people were saying that he's kind of taking shots at Jared Goff. So this kind of takes it to the next level. As he says that Matthew Stafford is even better than advertised. He says, bro, this dude is a bad mother effer. Okay. Whatever people say about him, it's as good as it can be. He's even better than advertised. It makes sense to him. The guy's ability to see the game, his ability to draw on his experiences, the feel that he has, it's pretty special and unique. And man, his feel for people, his authentic way of connecting with his teammates, his coaches, this guy, it's great being around him. What do you think about these comments about Matthew Stafford from Sean McVay? Well, I think it sounds like, you know, Sean McVay found his guy. And yeah. when you have a brilliant hotshot coach like Sean McVay, who everyone saw as like the next coming of football, who clearly got a little bit raked over the coals with, you know, uh, you know, golf. Um, goof. Right. And it had made him lose some of that enthusiasm and fire and creativity and play calling. So what do I think? I think he is so excited that he finally got somebody who can and will push him as a play caller, right? Yeah. And that he will allow or even, you know, invigorate 
the offense to a point that we won't be looking at what happened to Sean McVay. We're gonna be like, oh, Sean McVay is back and he's better than ever because now he's got a quarterback that he's not trying to game plan to protect. He is game planning to devastate people with. And that's a great that's, point. Yeah. You know, that's that excitement. And I think we're gonna see Sean McVay McVay back and better than ever with, you know, Stafford. I think you'll see them like best buddies. Yeah. I think it's kind of reinvigorated both of these, these men, because obviously Matthew Stafford has been in Detroit, which isn't exactly the most ideal situation to be in. If you're in the NFL, the lions have been a pretty bad organization to be all in all honesty for a very long time, including, you know, retiring Barry Sanders and Kelvin Johnson way too early but that's just my take on things. But Matthew Stafford is with the Rams now. And I think like overall, he's never been in an offense with a coach like this where yep. he's going to come every week with like a new play or like something like new and creative where it's like, Oh, I've never seen this take on this or this concept and, and the way they put things together. And then Sean McVay is going to say, you know, with Jared Goff, I couldn't run this play, but now that I got Matthew Stafford, I can open it up. Let's see what, you know, Aaron Rodgers has been doing in Let's see what Mahomes is doing in Kansas city. Maybe this guy can make these type of throws and it'll allow our offense to be better. And I think that's the total like X factor with the Rams this year is who knows what their offense will look like this year. Yes. It will have the same kind of foundational elements of they love running the play action and in the outside zone. And then they, a lot of three receiver sets, but it's going to be so much different because I feel like Jared Goff every year, Sean McVay comes out and he's like, goes down the list of new plays he wants to implement. And it's just like, Oh, Goff can't really do that. So let's cross it off. You know, <laughs> he's just like crossing off plays. And now he's just like, check. Okay. This is cool. Uh, our producer, Matthew wants to know if Matthew Stafford is so underrated that he's become overrated. That's an interesting <laughs> question because this, this is kind of, because I'm always been a huge Matthew Stafford fan and on my channel itself, I've always been kind of a, I guess a Matthew Stafford truther or defender of things. And so I always talk about how great he is, but nobody watches him play. So now he's obviously going to get a lot of recognition. He's on a lot of primetime games. He's in a big market, a big city with a great coach and pressure will be on him to perform because now for a lot of people, the questions can now be answered officially of what Stafford can be in the NFL as, as a true upper echelon player, or can he not be that player? So it's interesting, Jen, because what do you think? Like, I don't, I don't think that can be said yet until it actually takes place. So kind of what thing. I'm going to say is it's really hard to be really bad for a really long time even when you're a great player and probably especially when you're a great player, right? To get trounced week in and week out on a team that really nobody cares. Yeah, about. It's not to say that it's not to say that the lions have never had success. I think Stafford and the Lions have been to the playoffs three or four times. Yeah. But through that tenure, but I, I mean, Mitch, it's not a it's not a team that you look at and you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna find some talent here. There are a lot of people who could 
could probably not even tell you anything about what Matthew Stafford is capable of because it's not a team that's been in their radar and it's not one they've you know, chosen to pay attention to. So I don't course, know yeah. if he is overrated or underrated. What I think is that we have yet to see what he's capable of. And oh, by the way, we never even had permission to think of him being capable of this because <laughs> he wasn't paired with somebody like Sean McVay, right? Because yeah. that is a huge part of it, right? You, the best of the best quarterbacks are also influenced by their coach. It, they, they are not separate. Right. Right now, Matthew Stafford could be hearing about biting kneecaps or he could be looking at Sean McVay, who is about to open up this playbook. And he's like, I'm about to open a can of whoop ass on you. So we don't know. We know maybe the floor and the old ceiling, but we don't know how exponentially good. Right. How much better those two can be together. And the only thing I would caution is remember the more complex, the new offense and the bigger, the differences um, between what he did last year and what he's doing now, the larger, the ramp up period. Now, obviously he's getting it and all signs point to good, but we also won't know what this dynamic duo is capable of right away. We'll get indications. We'll see flashes of brilliance, but do think of and reflect back to Tampa Bay and Tom Brady and how they started the season versus how they finished because how they finished is much more a closer indicator on how good they can be and where they're starting mm-hmm. from going into this season. Yeah, great point. I personally would say Stafford is still underrated because I, I, I still don't think anybody knows how good he is. So I, I was just looking at his Wikipedia page for NFL records he holds. So he's the first fastest player to 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, 45,000 yards. Is the most fourth quarter comebacks in a single season, which was eight. They won nine games that year. They made the playoffs in 2016, and eight of them were comebacks. <laughs> That's right. the lines for you. First I mean, player in yeah, NFL history to complete sixty exactly. percent or more passes in each uh, each game in a season, twenty fifteen. And to speak of the pressure he had in Detroit, twenty twelve, he had the most passing attempts in a single season, seven hundred and twenty seven. So yeah, it's going to be a different situation now. He won't have to throw seven hundred throws uh, with the Rams because he's got a defense and a running game. But I definitely think this is pretty cool. I think all coaches should be endorsing their quarterbacks this way, whether they believe it or they don't, because let's put some confidence in the, in the young men under center. What do you think? Uh, speaking of confidence, do we know if Aaron Rodgers is going to be the quarterback of Green Bay yet? <laughs> uh, no, no, okay. no confidence in that answer. No. no confidence in that answer, but right. Like that's, that's the hard thing. There's so many things that are not yet stable and you can't bet on, you can't count on. So the things that you do have, that you do know, that you do feel, go ahead and really start to open that up and develop a relationship where you know what you're dealing with and you know kind of how that relationship is going to unfold. And I am, I'm excited to see what these two guys will do because you know, it's interesting because as you said, right, well, you know, not everybody sees it. Matthew Stafford, and you, you advocated him for a while. 
people were mm-hmm. starting to not say those things about Sean McVay anymore either. That's so right. this is a situation where I hope it brings the best out of both quarterback and coach and they get to smack people around with a little bit of, you know, swagger and defying um, some of those old narratives. The NFC West, how would you rank it right now if, if you had to rank them one to four? Because this is definitely the most competitive top to bottom division in football heading into the year. How would you rank these teams? Who gosh. <laughs> I feel like I could have a different order every day of the week, depending on how I wake up that day. But I think my bottom, mm-hmm. my least competitive team. Oh, I, I, I feel like it has not changed. Do you know who my bottom might be, Mitch? Let's see how let's see how in tune we are. Which one do you think? I think is it the Seahawks? It is. It is okay. by far. Um, by far. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, there's not. I knew, I knew you did like the Seahawks, but by far is is bold. I think for well, sure. No, look, it's not that I don't like the Seahawks. I like better for the Seahawks. I think, mm. I, I think that they're disappointing right now because they don't have an identity. You've yet to secure Jamal Adams. You don't have a pass rush. Like this is a team that I look to for leadership and innovation and strength in how they play. And right mm-hmm. now, I don't see that. So. They're the bottom to me. Who do you think's okay. next for me, Mitch? I'm going to say the Niners for you. It's close between the two California teams to me, I think, because the Niners okay. are going to be a lot better because they should be closer to, you know, uh, 2019, right, yeah. in, in their form. L.A., I think there's a lot that we don't know. Did lose some, you know, some components on defense, right? And their head coach or their defensive coordinator leaves. So I want to see how that plays out. But I, I do like them. I do think that the Cardinals could be the best team in this division. Well, you did pick them to go to the Super Bowl earlier. So I kind of thought that you had them first. That's yeah. a really hot take, by the way. Like I'm, I'm around a lot of football conversation, Jen, as you know, and nobody has the Cardinals going to the Super Bowl. And no, not many people, I don't want to say nobody because there are people, but not many people have them at the top of the NFC West either. Okay. So who do you have at the top of the NFC West? I think I'm most confident in the Rams. I don't know if they're going to finish first in the division, like at the end of the year, but I think in the playoffs, they would be the team I would pick to go the furthest, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it does, because especially if you can look at, you know, as good as they're saying Stafford is and, and as, you know, as reinvigorated as McVay could be, does concern me a little bit to have a different look on defense um, yeah. because obviously that was one of the, well, that was their strength last year. Yeah, um, the strength of their team, yeah. Um, so do who do they have to carry that through? You know, San Francisco quarterback situation, like, again, could be really good. Do you have a lot of I think of the Niners have the best roster. But I just, I'm not convinced about the quarterback, yep. but I also love the coach. So I'm kind of like in a, in a place where I'm, I don't really know. Like, I feel like they will have a bounce back year and most likely make the playoffs, but I'm concerned about their ceiling because it's rather Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance. And I just don't know if I can trust either one in the playoffs. So now what's your issue with the Cardinals? 
The Cardinals, I think, are obviously the least proven team out of the whole group. So they've yet to make the playoffs in this tenure of, of the quarterback and the coach when all the other teams have. Obviously, the problem with the Seahawks for me is, is in downgrading them is that they're just so consistent. I mean, every year, no matter the team, and I'll say they suck every year on defense or on the offensive line, and it's just like they win 10 games, and it's just like they're the Seahawks. But the Seahawks problem to me is like they're, they can't get past the threshold. Like it's like they get to the wild card or the divisional, and then every year it's like, oh, the Seahawks, that's where they lose. The Cardinals have a huge ceiling to me, like if everything clicks and everything goes right, oh, maybe they are Gen Super Bowl NFC representative. But at the same time, I think they have the worst coach personally out of the four. And mm. I'm not super okay. confident. Defensively, I still have questions about the secondary. And I just, I've yet to see Kyler take that step as a star quarterback. And maybe he will this year. But the Cardinals are tough for me because I certainly see where you could rank them as a competitor but i also could see the flaw so yeah they're just kind of a mixed bag for me and they are right and i even said that right on any of these we're we're playing out the tendencies i don't like that the seahawks have not improved to me so you say they're consistent but they're not getting better and that's a problem in a league that's constantly fighting for getting better if you're staying the same you're getting worse so to me they haven't done enough. I haven't seen enough. So could I see the Rams being the number one team? Sure. It really depends on a lot of things though. Cause unproven, you have a new defensive yeah. coordinator, you have head coach, new quarterback, yes, talented, but there's still a ramp up period. I you could know. see any one of these teams finishing first or last <laughs> to be honest. I would have a hard problem if everybody stays healthy. Yeah seeing someone else than the Seahawks to finish last. Wow. You really don't like the Seahawks, huh? It's like, not- I, I don't mean like you don't like them. Like, like you don't like their team. You just don't like the roster, the team this year. You I don't know, like the roster. I had, I had challenges with their defensive line last year. And it, I mean, that would have been one of the biggest things for me to look at. Right. And we haven't addressed that. And you haven't even really shored up Jamal Adams little questions on that. Like he's your leader. You've also lost some pieces on defense. Like, yeah. Like Mm -hmm. I feel like we're trying to put band-aids on what was once a Super Bowl team and is not anymore. Now, do I I love (laughs) Metcalf and some of their pieces? Yes. But the defense. I totally get this, but like, here's the problem, Jen. I've said this like in many seasons, I think there was a two year, two to three year stretch where I'd open up the depth chart of the Seahawks and be like, how does this, like, how are they physically going to win games? And then all of a sudden you see them in the playoffs. So like, I'm almost at the point where I can't do it anymore. Like I I stop because they've been in situations where their team has been this, like this kind of questionable on paper, but all of a sudden they're in January. So that's kind of like where I'm at with them. You know, part of it is the consistency of systems and that you do have so many vets that there is a level of consistency, right? It's not mm-hmm. new to them. You've had, you have a lot of people who've been there relatively consistently over a long time. They know what we're doing. 
but you're also not going to shock the world on anybody. So can you beat bad teams? Yes, you should. Yeah. And your competition's good every week. So you, you know, you should be better than like, do I think the Seahawks are going to beat the Bengals or end up better than the Bengals? Well, gosh, yes. Like without a question. Right. And I don't care that they do have a great quarterback and added this, like I'm still going to favor them over lower grade or mediocre teams because of their consistent commitment to excellence. However, right now we're not talking about, you know, finishing last in the NFL or, you know, doing badly in these, we're talking about four of the best teams, arguably, right? Like in the NFC. Yeah. Four of the top eight, at least. Yeah. Better than that. Yeah. Right. So, you know, that's the point of comparison. So the expectation is already that the Seahawks produce excellence. Okay. They are in that conversation for me, but they haven't gotten better for me. So I can't bet on them, nor would I say that they were going to be the best because I also want to see where's your, where's your X factor? Who is it that you think is going to, you know, change the dynamics of games. And I used to be able to like rattle off those guys for the Seattle Seahawks. I can't really do that anymore. Right. Like there's not, I'm not scared of them. I mean, I think their offense will be good. I I think it's hard for it not to be, but I certainly agree with the defense. I mean, it, it could be pretty bad. We'll, we'll see. You brought up the Bengals. We will get to a Joe Burrow quote here in a second about Mr. T Higgins, but I have to answer a couple of chat questions. Cause we have Matthew Davidson, yeah. our producer who said, I have his socks. I'm a big fan. He referring to Matthew Stafford. So obviously <laughs> he was just throwing that question in for entertainment, but we appreciate that. I would like to see those socks one day. Yes. <laughs> he like also we, says that we need yeah, it kicked go. up on that. We need it kicked up on the like producer's yeah. death. Shot, Put it up on the, the socks. Coach Laxer says Calvin Johnson said, yes, he, he came out and said that the Lions management trades Stafford when he requests a trade, but he would, but they would not trade him. Your thoughts. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, you know, you talked about this earlier, like retired him too early and uh, retired his Jersey too early. And uh, it is unfortunate, right? Like, I think we're entering an era where those player trades become more likely and possible. Yeah. Like I think at the end of his, it was really this like stick it out on the team. You didn't, you didn't hear, I mean, in a season, right. Who do we have this year? We had Deshaun Watson wants a trade. Russell Wilson wants a trade. Aaron Rodgers wants a trade. And these are especially star players back then, like Calvin Johnson, who's important to the franchise. They weren't going to trade him. Mm -mm. No. And so do I think if it was now and they could get good value for him or if he was, you know, going to not play if they wouldn't trade him, uh, it's probably a different conversation. But, you know, I don't like that for anybody because if you're miserable in an organization and you're a baller, there should be some way that you can find a way to play right? Because there is value for this guy. You may not really like it, but is it better to have him say sit out for a season? I don't know. You know, it's funny is something kind of similar with Gronk happened. So Gronk at the end of his tenure in new England was actually supposed to be traded to the lions for like a pick or something like Belichick wanted to trade him to the lions, 
but Gronk was like, F that, I'm retiring. <laughs> I'm not going to play for the Lions. So he, yeah. he sat a year, then he goes to the Bucks and he wins the Super Bowl. So honestly, I think if Calvin Johnson, I know that you're upset, bro, but like, I think if you wanted to really play somewhere else, you would have come back by now and you probably would be on the team. That's just my opinion. I don't know. Maybe you go to the Rams. Go go suit up for the Rams. They, they'll sign you. So Joe Burrow has talked about his wide receiver, T. Higgins. He says he's going to have a big year. He had a big rookie year. I think he had about a little bit over 900-ish type of yards, and Joe Burrow wasn't there for much of the season. So the expectations are pretty high for the second round pick coming into 2021. The interesting thing is that they brought in another high-drafted wide receiver in, of course, Jamar Chase, who was a teammate of Joe Burrow at LSU. So they're going to have a trio of receivers that I think might be the most slept on in the league because they also have Tyler Boyd there in the slot who's who's very productive. So what do you think? Do you think Higgins is in for a big year? Do you think Joe Burrow is in for a big year this season? Well, for T Higgins to be in for a big year this season, uh, Joe Burrow has to be up for a big year, right? Like, and, and that's what's really important. Yes, they have a dynamic receiving core. Yes, they're also going to have to feed a lot of different guys, which means having a, you know, as you know, my shiny penny, that means moving around the shiny penny so that we can distribute wealth. Otherwise, you're going to have some unhappy, highly paid, highly touted people, right? Because that's what has to happen when you have that many big talents on one team. So, Joe Burrow is going to have to do a good job of that. Coach is going to have to do a good job of game planning for that so that you can move the spotlight around and he's got to be healthy, right? Like, obviously, that's the biggest thing. He has to be healthy. He is that guy. Without him, none of these big seasons really happen to anybody else. So that's my first thing is Joe Burrow you better have a big season this year. And then guess what? As a result of you being healthy and you doing what you can do, all of these receivers should in turn have big years. And I didn't even bring up the name Joe Mixon, but he's a pretty good running back as well. So they have plenty of weaponry there, which I think is going to make the Bengals one of the most fun teams in the NFL to watch from week to week, because I think they're going to be one of those teams that, they're in every game, but I don't think they're actually going to win a lot of the games because they have other issues on their team, uh, specifically on defense, I feel, especially up front and, and the offensive line still needs a lot of work. So that's the concern there. And that's the question as we discussed it near draft time. Like, was that the decision? Was that a good decision? When you're building up and, and hyping up Higgins, should you have picked Chase or should you have picked Sewell and then at the end of the day, like maybe Joe Burrow is kind of saying this because they did pick chase. Right. And that's a great point because, you know, he lobbied for chase and now maybe Higgins is like, Oh, I thought I was your guy. Right. And that is a very, very big conversation when it comes to a wide receiving core is, you know, how will the yardage, IE the touchdowns and as a result, the money be distributed and, if you found another guy, uh, that's not a good sign. So that may be signs that um, you know, we need to have a little conversation. That's definitely interesting. What's your, maybe your record prediction for the Bengals right now or your expectation for them at the moment? I don't, I don't know that I have an expectation for them. Man. You don't have an expectation? All right. I'll say 
I think they're going to, like I said, I think they're going to be like competitive and fun, but I don't yeah. think they're going to be in the playoffs. I'll say this though. No. I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't finish last in their division. I'm going to say that. Right. About that. I mean, yeah. Like to me, they're not a team that has infused fear in me for a very long time. Um, I'm certainly not fearful of their defense being able to, I don't know, even stop water running through a dam or anything because I, I find it very porous. So I I do think that Joe Burrow is one of the new wave quarterbacks who is going to be dynamic and going to do a lot of stuff. Um, But it's not enough to just build your team as if we're playing backyard football. And that's what I feel like they're doing right now. Look, I got all of the wide receivers. I'm bringing all of my friends. I even have a good running back. <laughs> okay. We're ready to play now. That's, that's the Bengals to me. All right. That is the juke live on Twitch. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did let us know in the comments, give us a like, give us a follow on Twitch, give us a subscription or subscribe on YouTube. Jen, do you have anything to plug any projects, anything you're working on? No, you know, Mitch, it's, um, I've been coaching all week out here, helping some kids in Temecula on the camp. So I'm straight off the football field to talk football with you. So that's been fun. I've been teaching, uh, teaching some tackling all week. And then <laughs> I will join up with, uh, Justin Jefferson, uh, this weekend. Awesome. Do a camp with him. So if you yeah. have any great questions for him, I'm going to do their, uh, Q and a session. So, uh, Definitely slide me anything if you think will be fun. Yeah. We do a Q&A session for the kids with the with the athletes, and I host that for them. And then, you know, obviously we hit the field. And then I'm going to coach with um, Hall of Famer Rod Woodson in Indiana for a camp in the beginning of July. Uh, so some Sounds good fun. football stuff coming around. Yeah, like it's so fun. Kind of the football family reunion. Um, and I did promise Damon that I would obviously go – out to one of the games when he is there in Vegas. So it's just kind of been a cool day of news and seeing um, great people doing great things. So, you know, once the cross-border ban is done, Mitch, we may yeah. have to uh, we may have to do some in-person, whether it be, you know, some oh. NFL, CFL. And, you know, Nick Lewis is going into Canadian football Hall of Fame this year. So around Grey Cup, I will definitely be there around Grey Cup and be doing some stuff. So you'll have to make sure that we uh, we put that on the schedule because Mr. Nick Lewis has big plans. That's also why I had to find out that, you know, do they get a gold jacket, Damon? Like, is this the same? Because, you know, knowing his brother had one and he was yeah. like, coach, it's actually black. And I was like, well, that's a lot easier wardrobe choice. Than yeah. that mustard yellow. So a lot more versatile. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot more versatile. I, I'm I'm good <laughs> with the black jacket, but I do think that we may have to bedazzle uh, Nick Lewis's jacket because uh, you know he's got a good personality to him. So hey. And you can find me. You can find me on the Bottom Line View on YouTube. We have actually speaking of Justin Jefferson. That's interesting. You brought him up. I'll be ranking him in my top 32 wide receivers. He's certainly on the list and you can see how high he is on the list only after just one season in the league. So check it out on the bottom line view. Appreciate you guys tuning in, watching the show, giving us the support on Twitter, on social media. Thanks for watching. It's Mitch Jen. Peace. We out. <laughs>